everybody. I'm Pastor AJ Hausman, and welcome to 10 Foot Pole, a podcast to dig deeper into aspects of the Bible that get glossed over or totally ignored in most preaching. The Bible has a lot of parts that are racy, uncomfortable, and sometimes downright horrifying. Let's talk about it. Uh, welcome to season two, episode 11. Our guest is Pastor Drew Tucker, who is the university pastor at Capital University in Columbus, Ohio. That is welcome. where I am. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, well, welcome. We're having um, two ELCA college pastors back to back. I didn't even do that on purpose. So, Ooh, wait. Ooh, who, who am I following or who's coming next? Um, you are following uh, Melissa Whipple, who's at Bethany in, <gasps> in Kansas. So. New, new, new pastor down there. That's right. Exciting. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, Very pastor good. Drew just wrote a book last year. I'm sure it took you yeah. more than a year to write it, but it was published. Please, <laughs> it uh, was. It... Free, tell, tell us about it. Tell us about your book. So yeah, my book is uh, a labor of love during the pandemic. I, like many of us, was staring at my computer in April of 2020 and said. What am I going to do now? Some of us, like you, started podcasts. I said, why not throw out book proposals and see if anyone responds? And then someone actually did. So that meant (laughs) I had responsibilities, (laughs) which was a thing. But I wrote a book. It's called 4D Formation, Exploring Vocation in Community. It's all about figuring out what we are called to do and differentiating that from our Individually or collectively? Both. Right. right. So there are tools in there that are supposed to be helpful, ideally helpful for individuals doing their process of figuring out what kind of citizen they're called to be, what kind of jobs they're called to do, what kind of relationships they want to have, but also are helpful for churches figuring out what kinds of community commitments they want to make or for individual families to figure out what is it that their priorities are going to be for the next 10 years. Right. These are the kinds of things that I hope are helpful out of it. Um, It comes out of 10 years or more working in campus ministry. So lots of work with young adults thinking through who they are and what they want to do with that. Um, But the the biggest, I think, gift of it for me was that it made me think about the differentiation between identity and vocation. Yeah. So I am not what I do. Yeah. I am a person who happens to be a pastor, a husband, a U.S. citizen, all of these kinds of things. Uh, But being very clear that if one of those things ends, if I stop being a pastor tomorrow, I don't lose myself, that Mm -hmm. God still loves me and finds me in my identity because God made me long before I did any of those things. So holding that in intention has been something that's been helpful for me and I hope has been helpful for readers so far. Yeah, that sounds like a a great book. And I thank you for sharing that uh, with our audience. Is there a particular, may I ask, like a particular target audience that 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 you're aiming for? Is it is it mostly for um, those in like college or those in churches or anybody who's really kind of like, wow, I'd like to, you know, sort out some of my um, some of my life? Yeah, so it's really designed for anybody. Uh, One of the things that I found in campus ministry is that I work with 
religious people of all different kinds of religions and also people that aren't at all religious. So one of the things that I intentionally do is try to draw on examples from different religious traditions. So it's not just drawing on Christian imagery, not just drawing on Christian examples. I happen to be a Christian, so that's there for sure. But there's lots of other evidence of lots of other thinkers and traditions and reflections in there. Um, And it's not just for college students or even high school students students, although that's the kind of initial audience. It's really for anyone who's looking to figure out what they are about right now. Anyone who's maybe in a life transition, changing jobs, or has had a difficult experience in a relationship, has had a giant move and everything seems like it should be wonderful, but they're feeling out of place, right? Mm-hmm. These are the kinds of things that that thinking about vocation and how it relates to your identity, uh, this kind of resource can be a helpful companion to people in many parts of those journeys from many different traditions. Nice. Yeah, it sounds, um, it sounds pretty great. Um, Links to that will be in the show notes, so you guys can um, check out Pastor Drew's book there. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Well, listen, this is why I have, you know, cool pastors on my podcast so that you can share cool things that I think um, are, are just, you know, great things for great resources, right? Well, thanks. Um, for people to continue their own faith journey and learning. Um, and that's very much a part of that is is focus on identity. Yeah. Well, and that's the the thing that I love about the idea of your podcast, the the target audience, this reality that we are not confined or constrained by the traditions that we either grew up in or that we might still identify with today, because I have learned so much more about my own spirituality by engaging people whose spiritualities are so vastly different than mine own. Mm -hmm. And it's been such a gift. I learned more about being a good pastor from one of my friends who's an imam than I did uh, from some of my pastoral mentors, right? It was that level Mm -hmm. of being willing to listen to someone else um, who didn't do things the way I was trained. And I realized there are other ways to be that are also holy, that are also Mm -hmm. beautiful and sacred. Yeah, I so that's actually I'll, I'll say for myself that's actually um a part of sort of my uh my faith journey and my my call story. Um mm. when I was in high school, I was invited to go to a it was a still a Christian church, but a very different kind of Christian church um than the one that I grew up in. Um their youth group and would go and go to their youth group things and their Bible study and and sometimes their worship services. Um, in no way, like this was like just going with friends in addition to like still being involved in my, my own community. Um, and I remember always like coming home from those and having conversations like with my mom, like mom be like, well, what'd you guys talk about? And then, mm-hmm. and we talk about it. She's like, what do you think of that? And there was like things that like, I would be like, well, I don't know if I agree with that, you know, mm-hmm. and to be able to then sort of more strongly um, form my own faith, I think in somewhat in contrast to some of the other things that, you know, like, because I think sometimes when you just go to one church your whole life, right, like, you don't necessarily have your formed faith in a way of why yours is distinct from, you know, any other kind of Christian or any other person, right, like being able to actually articulate what you believe and why that was... um so part of my faith journey. So I, I appreciate cool. that too. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. Let's get into some Bible talk. So yes. 
Um, Pastor Drew and I are going to dive into Deuteronomy. So this is, uh, I think this is a new uh, book for us to to talk about on the podcast. So we'll do a little bit of some, just a teeny bit of background. Um, if you listen to episode 10, you're going to hear some more background just on um, the beginning of the Bible and the Pentateuch, these, uh, or Torah, these first five books of the Bible. So go back and listen to episode 10 if you didn't and, you know, have time. Um, But we're going to talk about Deuteronomy. And so we're specifically going to talk about something towards the end of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 to 20. Um, For those of you who uh, plan on going to church on Sunday, February 12th, uh, you're going to hear this um, as a part of that. I'm going to read it here from the... New Revised Standard Version, Updated Edition. C. I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in God's ways, and observing God's commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall certainly perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying God, and holding fast to God, for that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Also, that's a toughie. It it is. This is why I wanted to to talk about it today. Um, I think this you know puts us in in a place that I think I, I so I say that like whenever I do like sort of like um, a Bible study, um, I would say that there's I spend one day on the big questions. I just mm-hmm. I teach class too. the big questions. You know the theodicy type of of questions. Um, and I think, you know, what you and I briefly discussed before we started recording and what I think we're going to get into today touches on those, the big questions, mm-hmm. you know, the big overarching questions um, that I think every human asks right. to somebody at some point in time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but first, I just want to point out just a little, uh, you know, just a little Bible study e notes to go with this um so this is the end of of deuteronomy so we talked about in episode 10 sort of this the the pentateuch is typically what uh christians call the first five books of the bible um in uh, judaism it's it's called the torah which is their the law or the the teachings um and these this is the end right so this is the last this is this is the very end we uh this is the part where they are just about to enter into the promised land. They come out of slavery. They've wandered for forever. Moses is given a final speech and then they're, they're going to go in. Um, and so 
the Deuteronomy is often considered sort of like a preached law because there's there's a lot of rules right that are talked about but the beginning of it like um chapters 1 to 11 are really like a sermon and then 12 to 26 is a, a list of a lot of rules and then you know um the 27 to 28 is these lists of curses and blessings um and then this last part here from 29 to the end in 34 is sort of the narration of Moses's final words um, it kind of acts like an appendix, right? Like it's the the final words kind of gluing everything together. Um, and then um, Moses dies and it's then the narration of his death and burial um, because he doesn't get to go into the promised land um, that they do that without him. So that's kind of what's happening here um, at the end of this, this beginning chunk. Can I throw one other thing that I have just recently been obsessed with about Deuteronomy and, and the origins me. of Israel? Okay. So I I love podcasts. So not only do I love religious podcasts, but I also love history podcasts. Yeah. And I've been listening to a lot recently about the late Bronze Age collapse, which is oh. this time in the ancient Near East and this side of the Mediterranean that Israel-Palestine is on, mm -hmm. when basically within a hundred years, every major civilization there either fell apart or majorly contracted. So Egypt at this time falls into a much smaller area. Assyria at this time falls into a much smaller area. Mycenae in Greece is demolished, right? This is also the time that the Israelites are leaving Egypt. So it's within this context of their moving that the whole world is falling apart. And so that that piece of promise and blessing that comes out here in Deuteronomy that really appears throughout the law is in a kind of apocalyptic context for the whole world at that time. And I just yeah. having found that I've read the Bible differently just in the last couple of months, knowing that piece of of history. Yeah, that's a beautiful context. Thank you. Thank you for adding that to the conversation. Um, I agree because that really does put into, you know, if you think about everyone around them is really struggling um, in sort of, you know, a recession type uh, economy situation, um, mm -hmm. maybe famine, um, some wars and stuff. It it would be very, very, um, you know, pertinent to hear, <laughs> you know, your God, your divine say, I'm going to take care of you and bless you in these ways. Um, mm -hmm. That is that's a huge deal. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I never expected random podcasts for my commutes to become some of the best continuing education I've had, but they've been some of the best continuing education I've had. <laughs> you know, listen, um, you're, you're just sort of, you know, adding to your own growth that way. And right. this is just why I think podcasts are great, but you know, I'm slightly biased on that front. Yeah. And that's why, even though this isn't my podcast, I will tell you, listeners, you should share this podcast with someone that you know and love. That's that's what you should do. Good. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, um, so getting into this, uh, so into this part of the, the Deuteronomy here. So we have this just as very just. Verse 15 just really kind of like smacks you in the face here. Um, and I actually... So this, this, you know, this life and prosperity and death and adversity um, dichotomy that they're setting up, I read quite a few things that like prosperity and adversity are not the best translations here, mm -hmm. um, that it's really just life and good 
and death and evil. Um, and, and the reason why is those words there. So the word that's good here, that's we have life and good together. The word here for good is the one is, is the same word that when in Genesis, when God makes, when God made the trees and said it was good and God made, mm -hmm. you know, different things in creation and it was good. So it's that same word there. So um, that that's important. Um, and then the same with um, the evil here gets pitted against um what did I do with that? It's the same one that we uh that we have in the beginning of Genesis of the the tree of the knowledge mm. of good and evil of what this mm. is. So that one might be I think sometimes I think evil is kind of a vague word and how we define evil or um some you know here gets translated as wicked um mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think evil I, I was a philosophy major in undergrad, so there's always a danger in terms of talking about definitions of words and mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff that I get way off track. So I apologize if we end up there. But no, I, do the same thing. I think <laughs> evil is one of those things that only exists because we have a concept of good or a concept mm. of right or a concept of of something as the way it should be. Yeah. And so our definition of evil is often dependent on our definition of, well, what is it that should be? And that's one of the reasons why it yeah. feels to me amorphous because like what should be for you is not necessarily what should be for me. And so right. evil will function differently in our lives um, because what might be bad for you could be good for me in some real substantive physical or mental or emotional or spiritual ways. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's good. And I think that helps helps very much frame then what sort of this this thing that God is presenting them with, right? So, um, or that Moses is presenting them with on behalf of of God of this choice, really. It's like this mm -hmm. it it is, it's giving them this agency. Here, here are your choices. How do we feel about them? Or is it a choice? I don't know sometimes. Right? That's because it's not the same kind of choice that we have when we go to the grocery store. Like what of these 38 different kinds of pasta do I want? Right? Like that's that's choice in the kind of classic North American capitalist sense of choice. Mm -hmm. The the kind of choice here is much more fundamental in terms of like, do you want to thrive or not. Right? Well, of course I want to thrive, but that means then there are a lot of other associated factors, a lot of other behaviors, a lot of other, you know, if I had just written a book on vocation, I might say a lot of other work or vocation that we have to do in order to do that. Right. So this kind of, of choice feels a bit false to me when I read this, it doesn't seem like it's much of an option. It's like, Hey, do you want to die or live? Like I would prefer to live that seems like the better way to be. Yeah. I it's, yeah, it's definitely not framed as, I don't know. It's not framed as like a real choice. Mm -mm. I'm trying to think of a good example because I feel like this is like you, you hear, I mean, these are the kind of choices that you hear about all the time where you're like, there's not really a choice. I think about maybe 
I'm not sure if this is a good example or not, but maybe someone who is on trial for something and, you know, it, it, and taking a plea bargain and it's sort of like, well, here's choice A, right? Like you could do, say these things and then you'll just have a little bit of time and then it's community service and then it'll be totally fine. Um, or this other thing that you can do and like you're in jail forever. It's like, well, right. obviously like, and so people make deals and stuff like that to, to get that. That's, that's just how it feels to me is like kind of like a shady, it shouldn't, right? Like if this is the promises of God shouldn't come off as like this shady deal. Right. But, but I totally hear that. I, th- because one it's of a the, deal, the... right? It's not like a, Hey, I just automatically promise you all of these things. Right. And I think, you know, if I were, if I were trying to read this in a very kind of literalist or flat reading, I would say, well, what do you mean? God, God promises them to us, but it's a dependent promise, right? Mm -hmm. Gifts are not dependent promises. Gifts Mm -hmm. are leased. They are freely offered. And then we do with them what we will. So that's, it's not the same thing. We can rationalize our way into saying, well, no, this is really, it is a gift, but gifts that have effectively burn after reading kind of consequences like that's not that's not a gift that's something else but i I also think that like life has some of those things that we've we've agreed to like i mean i know that if i don't drink water i will eventually dehydrate and if i dehydrate i will eventually no longer exist right like there are some of these things that i have choices in but they're not really a choice if i want to continue to survive that's true but well, maybe That's look not... at it that way. Like this is a survival, you know, if it's yeah. not really a choice, right? If this is a, if, if you're thinking about an instinct of survival, mm-hmm. which is very much honestly where they're at standing, you know, in Moab, right outside the promised land, all they have to do is cross the river um, mm-hmm. or stay in the desert. Like that, that yeah. feels like a, a survivor <laughs> kind of choice, right? Like those are right. those instinctual. Yes, of course, I'm going to choose this type of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's the 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 context of Israel to this point. The context of this this sort of world changing time period in these late twelve or eleven hundreds, right? Is just this the way the world that we knew is no longer functioning. Um, yeah. So we can hold on to that, or we can claim a, a new way to be that will allow us to live and thrive. Yeah, that's a good one. Hmm. It's too bad we can't look around at our like politics or religions or anything and say the world that we do is no longer functioning this way. Maybe we should change things. Yeah. I also think for them to like where they're at and maybe a thing for us to also read into this is sort of when you think about that survival mode type of thing that like that insinuation that like your relationship with God isn't a choice so much as it is for survival Mm, mm. you know that it is a part of it's like drinking water right it's a part Mm -hmm. of who we are in order to exist Mm -hmm. just a really um sermony kind of thought there it's Uh, it's beautiful though it hit me (laughs) good glad i hope it hit someone else (laughs) But one of the things that then they're presented with is this idea of blessings and curses. 
Um, and this idea is very deep seatedly rooted in um, not only, you know, Christianity, um, Judaism, it's, it's sort of, I, I think, honestly, there's some roots to it in every single religion, um, mm-hmm. because I think that's how we kind of measure our, our moral code, right? That like, there has to be consequences for the bad, and there was reward for the good. Mm-hmm. Um, that. I really think every religion has set up this different moral code to kind of go along with us, you know, um, whether you call it karma, that's, that's one word, um, that gets used for it, or, you know, say you're, you know, you move into enlightenment or then like you move backwards in the next life. If, if it, you know, the tally is not right. Like these are these concepts and ideas, um, that are prevalent, um, in most cultures and throughout all of time. And so this is this is sort of ours to wrestle with blessings and curses. I'm so glad you invited me on for the the nice simple <laughs> conversation on the pod. <laughs> it it really is I one of the words that you use that I think is so important is consequence because often I struggle with the idea of curse as punishment, right? Like the God that I know, understand, believe, worship, have relationship with doesn't take joy in our suffering, doesn't seek to crush us underfoot, doesn't want us to die. And also there are reactions in the world to the ways in which we live, there are consequences. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I struggle to see in, in much of the Bible is where is there this kind of human penchant for punishment at play? And where is there the natural order of consequence Mm. and what's the difference there? I, I don't think that difference is easy to suss out in this particular passage because it's very much on the spiritual end of things. But I think even the idea of of bowing to other gods, as one of the translations says for this, it tells us something about if I put my focus elsewhere over and over and over again, the consequence of that will be that my focus is more absorbed elsewhere than on God. Mm-hmm. The priorities that I have will be shaped by that focus. And now that could be a very fine thing. Or it could be a very destructive thing, or it could be a generally neutral thing. But whatever that thing is, it will begin to shape me because I spend so much time with it. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is is the kind of difference between consequence and punishment, is that that's not th- the world punishing me. It's not the universe seeking to, to give me my just desserts, but it's the natural order of you're going to form a habit yeah. if you focus on anything. And that's different, but that's not a curse. And that's not exactly what this passage is talking about either. Right. Uh, which is a good thing to note. So um, there is a type of Christianity that at least from the outside in, we label as prosperity gospel mm-hmm. um, with this sort of idea that like, um, you know, obviously, if you are good and whatever, you're going to be giving, give, give, given. That's what I'm trying to find. Given these kind of blessings, 
Um, and if you're bad, then you're cursed. So the idea is that like, if you are someone who is rich and makes lots of money, clearly got, you're doing something right. You're a great, amazing person. And that God is blessing you for the, for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, on the other side, if, um, if you're poor, clearly God's punishing you Mm -hmm. that this is, this idea, um, comes out of this. Um, my listeners probably cannot hear, uh, pastor drew rolling his eyes. <laughs> Can you put that into words? Uh, it, it just grieves me and not because it's not attractive. Right. You know, I, I'm a middle-class white guy, right? Like on the one hand, I should be fine with all this. Cause like, yeah, I'm, I'm more blessed than cursed. Uh, but the flip side of that is I, it's just so, so patently, patently, manipulative unbiblical right well, manipulative right yeah. like i mean anti-christ it, it is yeah. you know if, if we try to apply that to the life of jesus and we look at the people that he spent his time with blessing like it just doesn't map it doesn't mm-hmm. map on to the life of jesus um and it it makes me mad there's a, there's a theologian out there named kate bowler um who actually was the first an academic to do research on the prosperity gospel as a movement in north america and then um, pertinent to some conversations that we were having about friends and family earlier, um, after her first book was published and she got tenure at Duke University, she was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer mm. as what a is prosperity it? gospel what? expert, right? It's everywhere. And Kate was one of my professors at, at Duke while I was there at Div School. And she wrote a book called everything happens for a reason and other lies that I've loved. Mm. And that's what, what we'll really grieves me about it. too, because that sounds like a really good book that I would like to check out. It's, it's one of those books that I read in like an hour and a half or two, because it was just so I couldn't put it down. Um, but her, huh. her point there is all of us have a tendency toward some of this kind of prosperity blessing and we think our lives are built on on this uh, just dessert. And then things are so obviously unjust. And we have to wrestle with the lies that we have loved uh, and then let them go and find what is really going on, what is really our lives right now. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's why yeah. my uh, eye roll was so loud in your microphone, headphones. Well, whatever. no, because I... I think so this is where all of this falls apart when you put any sort of you know stake into it that like clearly if you know good things are happening in your life that God is blessing you and clearly if bad things are happening in your life it is God is cursing you um when you look at it directly like this is why I say this really touches on one of those big life questions right because mm. you know it doesn't seem to add up like why some of these, why some people can be absolutely horrible people, um, Mm -hmm. you know, take advantage of others, uh, assault others, mistreat people, um, say horrible things and still apparently fall into this being blessed category. Whereas, someone that can be good and kind and giving and caring can get cancer so young, Mm -hmm. you know, and what, 
that's why this is the big life question. Um, the amount of times that I've had conversations with people, um, you know, in the hospital or family members or, you know, just other uh, parishioners about trying to make it all make sense because it, it, it doesn't, right. Like we can't make sense Mm -hmm. of like, why, well, why did that person have to die? You know, when you try to put that into these terms, Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where I think, um, some of this language can get really toxic in how it lives out in, in plays in our society and in our own lives, because, you know, when, you know, you could, this can talk all day about, oh, they're, they're blessed, they're great, they're whatever. And then as soon as something bad happens, you know, our entire system of what we think of like this grounding root that like good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad Mm -hmm. people falls apart instantly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so how do we wrestle with that? And where do you come out with your answer on the other side? That I think is, is I'm not asking you directly, like you need to answer that for everyone. Um, But I think that's, um, so I saw, you know, this broad category of these big questions, right? Cause I think Mm -hmm. these are the big questions that define where we go in our, in our faith journeys is mm-hmm. how we try to find answers to those. Absolutely. I, I, one of the ways that I have found comfort in asking those big questions is not asking them alone. Often I find myself, if I ask myself those questions and I just stew on them in, in my mind, I like find myself to despair pretty quickly. Uh, But if I, there's someone on the other end of a zoom call or someone else in the room who I know can hold gently um, these questions, these challenges, these fears, these concerns, they may not have answers, Yeah, but they have, a strength to hold it while I need to share it for a minute. Um, I think my, my greatest gift and biggest continual challenge as a pastor is being able to hold those things with people uh, because Mm -hmm. it's sometimes they're my questions too. And what they don't need is me becoming the center of attention, but they also can really appreciate some, true empathy it's some true realization that they're not alone in this question and so yeah. that's that's ministry right like it's not magic well, hands I, it's... I, I, that's the that's the pastoral care piece i actually think that's one of the biggest callings um in 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 what it means to be called to be a, a pastor is to be able to sit with people in those things um and not to just explain them away or hold them right like they're coming for a deep emotional um and existential place right um and you know i could spout off you know bible justifications and you know um theological uh it it doesn't i i don't think that you know it's not your job's not to fix right our job is Mm -hmm. to um to sit in that the muck with people um right because they, this seems to only be a problem when, you know, things aren't going well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's when life isn't, you know, the, the black and white peachy keen that you want it to be, that it's all of a sudden it's like, Oh, you know, this, this breaks down. 
Um, which is what I always uh, tell people on the podcast and encourage them to understand that like the Bible is not black and white. Life is not mm. black and white. Life is one big gray area. Um, <laughs> and how we understand and navigate that is, um, you know, how you define what you think um, loving others and loving God is. Right. And striving and... to do those things. Yes and striving right i think that's there's a beautiful beautiful what i would call condescension here but i want to be clear i don't mean condescending in a negative way i mean the 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 idea of condescension is that you come down to be with right mm-hmm. so so that you are kind of like the word emmanuel god with us and in, in the christmas story condescension in its more neutral term is you choose to go down to be with someone somewhere mm-hmm. and so on Perhaps a more, uh, I don't know if this is putting too much into the mind of God, but the way that I read this in a more empathetic way is that God knows we are looking for simple black and white answers. Mm -hmm. God knows that we are looking for, this is the thing you do, this is the thing you don't do. And so there's times in the Bible where we get this, right? Like, all right, fine. What do you want? Here are the ways that you choose life. Here are the 10 commandments. Here are the do unto others as you would have done unto you. Mm -hmm. And then we get all of the times in the Bible when people don't do it right. Like Moses, the one who's giving all of this here at the end of Deuteronomy and then doesn't actually get to go into the promised land and yet is still beloved by God. Like the disciples who follow Jesus until they don't and yet are still beloved by God. You know, that that reality of, yes, I know you want black and white. So here's here's the ideal. Yeah, if you could do everything this way, great. Yeah. But when you don't, because you won't, right. I will still be there too. And that's mm-hmm. the, the hope, the beauty that comes through these yeah. and other passages like and we'll, it. And we'll work through those things as they come. Yeah. Yeah, I... I think so, for sure. Uh, I I think that you also kind of get that even still just within the Torah itself, right? Like, you know, sort of here are your 10 commandments, right? These are the, you know, 10 things. What's that saying? Let's let's even back up even further from like, you know, uh, (laughs) that's too far ahead. We need to to back up even to, you know, just the very simple um, contractual arrangement, um, you know, between the first two humans or the contractual Mm -hmm. arrangement, um, after the flood or the contractual arrangement um, in the sevenfold promise of Abraham um, Mm -hmm. where, you know, you're, these are, you know, God kind of builds these covenants um, to say, because it's not going to be perfect, right? Like this is ideally how it would go. And when it doesn't, this is why we have this. And then, so it just kind of keeps building, right? And then you have the the 10 commandments. Here's here's what I'd like you to do. Um, And then, you know, there's, some crazy amount of rules there's like i have 500 600 some different rules to go with it too um that actually creates up the total of the 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 mitzvot um Mm -hmm. so mitzvah is like commandment but like that's not a great translation so most jewish bibles won't translate it because it's more than just it's more than just um the like singular commandment because they're right it's a way of living is what it's is, is really what it is. Like, this is the agreement, Mm -hmm. this way that God would like you to live is, Mm -hmm. 
in essence, I think what that's best, you know, kind of translated because there's all the, there's a bunch of, you know, there's a bunch of don't do's, but there are actually more, please do this um, listed in these, in these regulations, please honor these people, please take care of foreigners when they come into your land, take care of these people. Uh, You know, there's more of do these things than there is don't do these things in this mitzvot, in this, the way that God wants you to live. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's actually, so that word is in, um, in verse 16 there, where I think most English versions would say, observe God's commandments, that it would be this, this mitzvot, um, the Mm -hmm. observe this way that God would like you to live, you know, that that's what is the life-giving part to choose life means Mm -hmm. choosing to enter into this way of this life-giving I think both individually, but also as a community. Um, And that may be the bigger piece of it, really. Um, You know, as we talk about things like the prosperity gospel and stuff, really like to focus on your own individualism, um, your own individual Mm. salvation, your individual blessings. Um, But really, you have to remember that this is plural being spoken to a group it's the same when jesus talks too it's it's a you all situation it's a y'all it's not a one person god is not counting your individual blessings but rather or your individual whatever it's the it's it's a community um Mm -hmm. they've heard this many times but i'm gonna repeat it anyways you know when we hear in john 3 16 and 17 that like god so loved the world what's the whole Mm -hmm. cosmos you know yeah it's not God loved you and gave you this. It is the whole creation that is that is being saved and sanctified together, not individually. So what collectively would choosing life look like? Mm. Yeah. And do that's... we? That's actually a better question because I could make some very – Drew's like, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do, do we, not. Do we collectively as a society choose life – choose to live into this uh mitzvot the way that god would like us to live um no i i would say as well that that is not something that we particularly excel at well even just look at the ways that we've structured our our groceries that we have an abundance an overabundance of food available in the world to satisfy the choices, the desires that we have. And by we right there, I mean, people with some level of means, some level of economic access. And there are other people who starve in physical access, right? Like we have the transportation, we have the proximity, we have those kinds of things. Uh, We have the chance to choose life quite literally Mm. for people. And we often do not. Um, And, and that's the the very end of the passage points. I want to pause you right there though. I pause you right there and talk about that, that just kind of just really kind of echo in that, that or maybe nail it in a little further to understand that like we make life or death choices for other people. Oh, absolutely. And we're not invited to, right? We are we are often making them at their expense. Yeah. We've talked about that too, um, about sort of the idea of corporate and structural sins and how mm-hmm. what those things that we do um do adversely affect others. Right. Right. One of my friends from seminary was in a band called Pacific Geyer uh, because they liked to be funny punk rock kids and because um, it was a commentary. 
exactly right um so <laughs> yes there's there's so many stories i could tell but uh i just always laughed at that because it was it was this we're we're claiming the name of the trash heap uh that is currently wreaking havoc in the most beautiful expansive place left on the planet uh, because we can't keep our consumption in check um, that's that's who we are um but that's the community element that that piece of of we are making these choices and Moses here at the end calling back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob to your forebears that this is a promise that's not just for you this is a promise that existed before you were here yeah and by that like this is a promise that will exist long after you're gone so why are you so isolated in your acceptance and or participation or not mm. in this promise? Why are you so isolated? Why aren't you in that community uh, caring about deciding for life in that community? Yeah. How does that put in the perspective for us too? right? Then mm -hmm. choose life so that you and your descendants may live. I think about this a lot. So I have, uh, my daughter actually just turned one, two days ago. Um, That's awesome. So what it is to have like, what worlds, what society, what relationships are we building or destroying for our children? What are we, what are we choosing? I'm afraid of what we're choosing. Yeah, me too. I'm. I don't have children. I uh, Michelle and I have had that conversation on and off, and have decided at this point it's not something that we're pursuing. Um, and part of our struggle has been around the choices that that we make, but really that the world makes, and that that we struggle with that, and that mm -hmm. we are. And I'm not saying that it's unfaithful to do that, especially to the parents of a one-year-old. I think you did a great job. No, no, no. Listen, I, cute, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Like we had those same conversations and I know other people that also were choosing not to have children for the, the same reason, you know, like. It, right, right. Um, I, I just really had that, like the most like comical, that woman thing that I can't get over where my body just like needed to have a child. I, it's, yeah. it's the most disgusting thing. And it was also very true for me. And <laughs> that's awesome though. Like that's so, so that's... great. Um, <laughs> oh. yeah. So that's but anyway, anyway, but, but it still is to think about like what, yeah. um, I, can I tell you that just like, uh, so the, I, I get just like the CNN five things you need to know today thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, just, you know, my, my quick news. Um, and it was like, it was sometime last week, the, the very first thing it was like, scientists are now saying, and it had to do about like natural disasters are directly related to consumption and the climate change is due to all this. I'm like, what do you mean scientists are now saying that they've been saying that I knew that a long time ago. Is this the problem that people don't know? <laughs> The right. that's been a problem for a while one of my favorite mm -hmm. books about it came out in like i don't know 2011 so it's at least over a decade old i don't right. understand how we're still the people don't know about this yet but then you have people like my father who you know thinks it's a conspiracy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think that's that's part of the problem that we have to wrestle with and figure out what to do because 
I, I think that the hard part and the part that every, at least I struggle with, um, and that I know I, I do know others that struggle with this idea that like, I can do everything right. I can do these yeah. things that God is asking. I can follow all of them. But the fact mm-hmm. that this is a collective thing, how do I wrestle with the people who actively um, don't? Right. The people that aren't actively choosing life. How do, how do we, how do we, you know, how do we get this life thing for everyone if we can't get everyone on board? Just to throw out another one of those big questions that I think people have yeah. to wrestle with a little bit. Yeah, that's a, again, thank you for inviting me to such a, a <laughs> low key podcast conversation. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm always struck at the ways in which the logic that we want also become so obviously unhelpful because wanting the black and white yes or no blessings and curses thing like go and try to shame someone who's not opting into life to find their way into making good decisions for life right like that just doesn't doesn't work there's nothing helpful with that it's weird that like people actually don't want the thing that we think that we want but that's the the bigger problem is like we know that doesn't work but we don't know what does work so we often try that anyway we still try to punish or shame our way into making different decisions and that just leads to more dysfunction and it it proves to people falsely but it proves to them that see this is why the system is rigged against me so why would i change my behavior the system's rigged against me. Even when it's not my fault, you're mad at me. Yeah. So why would I try anything different at this point? Like, well, that's actually, you're right. You know, that's that's a pretty screwed up way to view the world. It is. And I think that's what leaves, you know, this um, definitely in the country we live in, um, though echoed in a lot of other places around the world, this driving uh, wedge that's just you know, creating this well of, you know, despair that's getting deeper and deeper and deeper as, you know, we continue, I think, to get farther and farther away from one another um, mm. in our political sphere to the point that, like, I I know recently, like, if I even try to listen to some politicians have a conversation, it's very clear they're not even talking about the same thing. Yeah. They're just so hell-bent on arguing with one another if you're actually listening to them, they're having two totally different conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is uh, very much echoed in all parts of our society too. Like even down to like, when we talk about, um, you know, how different Christians can have such very, very vastly different uh, philosophies, beliefs, mindsets, um, humanity. Um mm-hmm comes comes down to that that we're just not even having the same conversations if you are a uh, religious leader of any kind listening to this podcast i think my my largest encouragement for you would be to reflect on this question are you a part of a conversation that your congregation actually wants to be having Mm. because it could be that you are one end of that political discussion on TV talking about what you think is necessary and your congregation is not on that wavelength. Um, I say that as a, uh, 
elder millennial here on a campus full of Gen Z folks. And I realize all the time that I'm having the wrong conversation and I get brought back into it to the right one because they are willing to shepherd me, (laughs) thankfully. Uh, But that's one of the challenges is we're often trained to be dispensers of information rather than participators in conversation. And so we need to be committed to the participation rather than just simply sharing wisdom from on high. Yes. And that's a big difference of conversation to change. It's Oh, man, I think I can mostly quote it, but it's a good quote from Martin Luther on uh, the freedom of a Christian, um, which Mm -hmm. goes great with the topic we're having today. Um, (laughs) And that um, change done to anyone without conversation is actually an act of violence against that person. That until Mm. it's only through conversation and relationship and being brought in, can anybody actually change? Hmm. That's pretty close wow luther like he said some really bad things some awful things but every once in a while he just really hits the truth on the head you're like man he knew it i'm gonna look up another one because there is another uh another good quote that i have um yes rabbi jonathan Sachs in his book dignity Mm. and difference defines conversation as conversation not mere debate but the discipline act of communicating making my views intelligible to someone who does not share them and listening entering into the inner world of someone whose views are opposed to my own in a debate one side wins and the other loses but both are the same as they were before in a conversation neither side loses and both are changed because now they know what reality looks like from a different perspective. Mm. I think that this, you know, does really sit also with what we say about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, and what it means um, in the continual defining and honing and new ways that God presents relationship to us. And I think mm-hmm. that that's another thing that's happening here is mm-hmm. God is presenting a relationship, right? Is saying like, hey, this this is what this is. This is what I would like to be in relationship with you in this way. Um, you know, love, observing, you know, observing God's mitzvot. So this, this way of living and existing in the world, um, you know, that this, and, and I will bless you that this is a continuation of that. This is what this relationship looks like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's happening. I think it's, you know, that like, what's interesting to me, especially in um, these old Testament in a lot of the old Testament books is we get this sort of personification of God where God speaks. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a key piece for us to take into consideration right of this understanding of like god is in relationship god is in conversation Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. with us that it's not just a a top down telling you what to do kind of thing um and i think that that's a a key piece to being invited into be invited into life yeah and when we invite others to be a part of that what that looks like the beauty 
in the midst of the difficulty of this passage and in the midst of the difficulty, a lot of the Bible, I think the beauty that continually shines through for me is that God desires blessing in conversation. Like God desires blessing in community. And so I think that's mediated through lots of different perspectives. And so you're going to hear that differently in Deuteronomy than you are in Isaiah, than you are in Matthew, than you are in Romans. Job. And Job. <laughs> Lamentations, right? Like there's all sorts of things that are out there. Um, But the, the beauty of it all, and I don't want to, again, philosophy notwithstanding, I think God is willing to adapt with us. Mm. I think God is willing to change with us. The the evidence of the church is absolutely that God is willing to change with us. Yeah. The evidence of Israel, the evidence of moving Our from slavery scripture. in Egypt. Yeah. Exactly. And so that that desire to bless us in conversation goes back to exactly what Rabbi Sachs said, that God's entering a conversation uh, where everyone's going to win where no one loses mm -hmm. and we all leave changed yeah and that's what god wants out of us not not just doing the things that he said to do and doing the things that she said not to do not doing the things she said not to do and that's a life-giving piece mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. well thank you drew for being a part of this just fantastic conversation um asking some of the the really hard questions um i i actually think this is one of the biggest I think gifts that we're invited into in our faith with God is to be able to wrestle and ask hard questions um, yeah. and to, you know, to sit with that. And I think that that is a conversation that we have with, with God and being able to do that. So thank you for, for joining us in that. So I appreciate that. Um, just, you know, updates, just, uh, you know, for, for those that haven't checked us out yet, you can check out our website at 10footpolepodcast.com and find us on Facebook and Instagram at 10footpolepodcast. Um, the website has um, resources. Um, we'll add some of these stuff to it uh, as well as some, some fun merchandise. Um, blog posts are going to be slowly coming in um, and just other access to the podcast. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Um, and as I like to say, and also as I appreciate Pastor Drew saying, share this podcast, share this podcast with folks that, you know, just need something to listen to on their way to work. Um, maybe you're wrestling with their own theology, um, with their own faith in the Bible right now that, that hopefully, you know, listening to some of these more in-depth conversations can be really helpful in their faith journey. Um, so please share it. Um, and remember that the 10 football podcast is a ministry of the Delaware, Maryland Synod. To learn more, go to dmdsynod.org. Take care, everyone. <laughs>